We are back at it again, and uh, we've had some weather that may be keeping people from getting here a bit sooner because it's, depending upon where you are, it's, there's a cloudburst here or there. So, But we are here, and I wanted to make sure to take uh, this time to uh, welcome you all, first of all, for being here. Thanks for being here this morning. We have a couple of updates to give in reference to people who have been uh, ailing. Um, Big Jim, uh, he is still at Cleveland Clinic. He is in intensive care, but he is in a step-down room, which means he is still in intensive care, but there has been improvement in his condition day by day. Um, He is... um, course recovering from the surgery he had and he will hopefully be moved to a his a regular room within the next 24 to 48 hours that's still up for grabs we don't know yet if that's the case but the bottom line is that he is recovering he is making progress um, in his uh, improvement going you know from moment to moment where he is uh Still needs some, uh, have to, still has to have the control of his blood pressure. They still have to work on getting that down a little bit. But it's not as high as it was before. And so he is being very, very closely monitored and watched. Um, Donna has been there every day. Uh, family members, uh, the daughters flew in uh, the other day as well, too, and they have been present as well. Um, and they probably won't be here at church today. Uh, they'll probably be spending time with him. Uh, but uh, Lynn and I have been to see him a couple of times. Uh, and he has, the, the second visit was uh, on Friday, and he definitely was doing better at that point. So please keep him in prayer uh, for ongoing recovery. Um, he, um, you know, he's, he's a tough man. It, uh, I, I dare say, because he, he was a very healthy person, and I dare say if he wasn't as healthy, uh, we may not be having this conversation, so he's doing well. I appreciate uh, your prayers continuing for him. Pardon me? Cynthia is at home? Okay, I, did, I didn't know that. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Cindy's at home from the hospital. Jasper is also at home from the hospital, too. That was my other update. He had successful surgery um, as well, too, to uh, remove some blockage. Without getting all technical about it, that was affecting his blood pressure. Um, he is home resting now as well, too. So he had successful surgery. Uh, Lynn has been in contact with Simona, who has been going back and forth uh, to look after uh, her father. And uh, he is improving as well, too. We'll just have to see how things go with him uh, over time, because I know that he has some other things going on that need to be watched very closely. But the fact that he's at home, that's always a plus. Um, that's where you can really recover and get a lot of rest and get what you need. Um, thank you again for your prayers. Um, this is a uh, tough time, an interesting time in our church family where we have people who have been ailing. And certainly not just uh, Jim and uh, Jasper, but uh, of course others like Phyllis. We remember her in prayer as well too. And uh, just keep those individuals in prayer. Um, We appreciate you doing that. Amen? 
Let's go ahead and uh, get back into our lesson number 12. If you had been here then, and um, don't know how far we'll get, but we'll see if we get there all the way through it. I don't know if we will or not, but we'll give it a shot. Um, but just be mindful of how God truly is present in all of our activities. We don't always understand what's happening. Um, I, you know, I, I can share this with Big Jim. Didn't understand what was happening with him either, why he even got sick in the first place. But the bottom line is that uh, it did happen, and it gives you an opportunity, frankly, to do some soul-searching, searching after, searching out who he is in your life and what's going on in your life. Um, sometimes those events happen for that very purpose. Father, we just thank you for this time you've given us to reflect upon you and who you are, reflect upon your very presence in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for how you look after us, how you truly steer us in the direction that you would have us to go. You provide that direction. Lord, help us to be mindful to follow that direction, follow your teaching, follow your promptings through the Spirit. Help us to be sensitive to being obedient to you and your will in all things. Lord, you know who we are. You know how much we need your help. And Lord, we call out to you for that help. Because we are in desperate need of you giving direction and helping us to truly live a life of holiness as you would have us to live. You tell us to be holy because you are holy. And Lord, we know that that's just really something that we can't really achieve, but we can only do it through you and your presence. We give you thanks. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going back to where we were in the study in Lesson 12, where we left off at the end about how it's important for us as believers in Jesus Christ to truly live with faith and to avoid that dreaded word, speculation. Speculation. Speculation, all that truly does when it comes to our faith is it, it wrecks our faith. Speculation means you're putting focus on something that is not necessarily accurate or helpful when it comes to understanding things that happen to you. Speculation is not helpful when God calls you to be faithful. That might be the biggest takeaway thank you, of what we're looking at today. It's normal for us to ask questions and say, why did this happen? Why did something happen? Those questions are actually in form of prayer. Because you're asking God to give you direction and guidance. It's natural to ask those questions, but you have to be cautious about veering off into areas where you're now not really looking to what God has to offer to you, but you're now looking at what you think should be taking place in your life and in your circumstances. And that's basically just going to take you away from what God would have you to do as far as focus. I'm going to go back in the handout in Lesson 12, right after where it says, What did he tell her, being Martha, in John 11:25. 25? 
And you can go back to John 11:25 just as a reminder, but we're, gonna, we're not going to dwell on that. We're going to go right past that because we've covered that verse a couple of times. John 11:25, when Jesus said to her, being Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So Jesus was informing Martha who still didn't quite have a grasp as to what this eternity thing was, Jesus was trying to teach her what it was. This is not unlike us as believers. We are still being taught on a daily basis. Amen? We're still learning about who this Jesus Christ is. We're still learning about what he represents, even though he's told us what he represents. We're still trying to get a handle on that. And the reason why we're still trying to get a handle on that is because we're all different people. We all have different levels of understanding and we have different ways that God teaches us. We don't learn the same way. Well, let's face it. Someone who has an IQ of 140 is going to have a better prospect of learning more than a person who has an IQ of 100. And that's just fact. That's just the reality. Now, that's an example that's rather extreme, and it may not have anything to do with your IQ, but it may have everything to do with you and your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and learning what that means. We're still learning even in our 60s, our 70s, our 80s, our 90s, and you're still going to be learning about who this Lord Jesus Christ is until you breathe no more. Amen? We're still learning. Martha is an example of a person who's still learning. Martha has declared that he is Lord, and he, she understands that, but she still has to learn one more piece about that. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. That's the length of her knowledge. But now let's take it further. When Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection, first of all, he made a declaration. Amen? That's a declaration. And understanding that a lot of people still don't understand that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Because we know that they've tried to make him, tried to dumb him down into someone much lesser than that. A prophet, a great person, a good guy, someone who was empowered by God to heal. But beyond that, now I got to tell you something. Martha was almost in that category. Because she's seen him heal, but she affiliated the healing with what? His presence. This is a faith challenge that's taking place here. It's a faith challenge. We need to understand that. So he's saying, I'm the resurrection. He is not the I think or I assume. He is the I am. And we had this study even during our seminar in April about I am and his name and what God calls himself and the proper name that he uses. 
Please note that if-then scenarios never bring us comfort. Wondering what would happen is never going to be a comfort. Amen? Never going to be comforting. Because there's uncertainty in that reasoning, in that logic that's being used. Mr. Buzzy is an attorney who deals with the law. If he wasn't dealing with the law, he'd be dealing with a lot of if-then scenarios. may not work out very well for his client. Fair perspective? Can't play a guessing game. Especially when it's a very serious issue. You need to know exactly what the law says and you do your best to work through those things. But we need to be aware of what Jesus is saying about himself. He's saying, I'm the resurrection, I am. He, I, I'm the, he is the great I am. We know that if our if really happened, the then would automatically follow. follow. I mean, sorry, let me reread that. I didn't read that properly. We don't know if if happens and the then, then would follow. We do not know that. You may have someone dear to you, if you ask the if question about, you may feel, be the one who feels that if God had been with me here, here with me then. The hard truth is, is you don't know. None of us do. We feel, we think, and we speculate, but we don't know. There's comfort in knowing something, isn't there? There's comfort in having knowledge of something. And when we don't understand what is happening in our lives, we're grasping at anything that will help us to process the information that's taking place. I don't think Big Jim would mind me telling you that he's grasping for that right now. He's trying to understand what happened over the last week. Because... There's a body of work there. He's very healthy, just goes to routine checkups at the doctor, no issues, nothing like that. No diabetes, did not have high blood pressure before this. Very healthy person. Walks every day, tries to walk a mile a day. And so this happens. He's trying to process that. And just about anybody in this room who has that same type would be processing it too. Why am I flat on my back? Why did I almost die? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. We don't know. We're looking for answers in scenarios like this. The great thing about this is that Jesus Christ, when we call upon him, even if we don't have an answer, his presence is a comforting presence. A comforting presence in the midst of uncertainty. Always remember that. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. The if-then scenarios are ones that we create. 
The if-then scenarios are the things that we want to try to impose upon what's happening. The if-then scenarios in Scripture, and that's an excellent question because there are if-then scenarios in Scripture, but what are they based upon? Obedience, following the Lord, focusing on the Lord, doing what He tells you to do. He's very clear. He says, if you follow me, I will bless you, I will do whatever it is. He also says, if you don't follow me, then you're going to be subject to all kinds of issues, problems, whatever those things are, because you truly were not looking to the Lord. We create our own if-then scenarios, and that was the point I was making earlier, that take us off track and keep us away from that very important measure that helps us through those times of uncertainty, and that's faith. Faith. We have to keep mentioning that word faith in this whole process. How many of you lack faith from time to time? Well, that's all of us, isn't it? If we're honest about that, we're honest about the fact that we lack faith all the time. So we need to be taught this very subject. When we lack faith, we have trouble with these personal if-then scenarios. That's right. Okay. True. Yes. That's right. That's yep. If you go back to Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Yep. If those called by my uh, called by my name, mm-hmm. and you can continue with verse, those are the verses that God says if. Correct. So if isn't the problem; it's what you believe and what you do with it. That's true. Yeah, you can take those scriptures and turn them around and try to make them fit your way of thinking too. That would take some work, but you can do that. Remember, we have to be very, very conscious of the fact that we, in our flesh, will try to work through things on our own. Amen? We will. That's, that is, that's who we are. We have to almost unteach ourselves. Stop doing that. That's what we have to be, be very careful about. Yeah, go ahead. They are promises based upon being what? Obedient to him? Yeah. He's giving, you, he's giving you exactly what you need to understand about believing in him. He's giving you a very, very clear statement of that. The, the, yeah. You're saying the same, well, you're, all you're doing is you're processing this information differently in a way that helps you to understand what's going on. Yeah. That's right. Right. That's right. 
Yep. Now you just said the word manipulate. Well, who's manipulating it? You are. That's my point. If then, in God's word, it's solid. He's not breaking any promises. He's not doing anything out of his character. When we get into the mix, we can mess it up. Because we can turn things around. Yeah, Lord, but... Okay, Lord, but... You know what I'm saying? We do that all the time. Okay, but... But but what? But is what? It is a speculative thought within the if-then that God is giving to you. That's my point. We, his, nothing has changed about God's character. Nothing has changed about his promises. Nothing has changed about who he is. He is, he is who he is. When he says he's the great I am, he certainly is. We're the ones that try to take that I am in all caps and make it I am in small letters and de-emphasize what he's doing. Appetizers? Advertisers. Oh, advertisers. Okay. Appetizers. I was a little hungry. I'm sorry if I said that. If you use our product, then you're going to be popular. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Product. Yeah. And, and when you buy that, mm-hmm. you bought the wrong if. That's exactly right. Advertisers are doing what? That's a great example, Paul. Advertisers do what? Appeal to your fleshly desires. of stuff you see on TV you don't need. You know what I mean? You don't. You don't need it. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. But they understand that if you appeal to a certain number of people, they're going to buy it. And I got to tell you something. That applies to even those people who think they're doing great things for the environment. You know, Tesla... Tesla could go bankrupt if they lose a little bit more value in their stock. Because they're doing what? Appealing to the electric car industry and they were providing these these cars. They're not selling, number one, like they were. And the Tesla 3 model turned out to be a junk car. I I hate to say that for those who... (laughs) But that's what it turned out to be. It's turning out to be. But what is Tesla doing? It's appealing to individuals who truly think they're being helpful with the environment by using electric cars. But that doesn't mean that it's always going to be the best or most noble thing. Those cars are very expensive. I wouldn't buy one because it would be be unbelievably uh, expensive to maintain, for one thing. So, but that just makes the point also, even though you think you're doing something good, it may not be. It may not be. Don't fill in the missing pieces with speculation. Recognize that God is with you. He has always been and he always will be. He may have allowed tragedy like he allowed Lazarus' death. As you cry, so does he. Take comfort in his tears. Jesus cried when he was feeling compassion and saw the people who were mourning Lazarus' death. 
we have to remember that the God that we are looking to is an emotional God. He has emotions like you have emotions. But in his perfect state, he has control of his emotions. Much more than we do. Amen? But he's still showing you that he has emotions. That's really important for you to understand and see. I don't want to overemphasize that. But when God truly says that he has created us in his image, he truly has. We're not just subjects who are reporting to an overlord. The example of Jesus Christ living on earth was showing us how you can live here and live in a fleshly body and still remain obedient and still focus on him, focus on God, focus on the Lord. That's what he did. He was responsive to what? God the Father. He was obedient to God the Father. He said that over and over. He was being responsive to God the Father. Even in his moment of prayer in John 17, not my will but your will, he was giving us the example. And of course, he expressed a lot of emotion. He expressed emotion on the cross. If you have buried a fellow believer, then be comforted to know that he says to you, just like Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. That's in verse 23, which is what we had, what was said in John 11:23. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4:16. Some of you may already know what this is that I'm going to. And you should because 1 Thessalonians, I, I kind of view 1 Thessalonians 4 as the rapture chapter. It's the rapture chapter. Because we need to understand that this is the same thing that Martha had to learn and is still, was still learning at that time. And this is something we need to be reminded of too. Sometimes I like to think you wake up and you're saying, is it all worth it what I'm going through? Is all this struggle really worth it? Because you're living in the moment. Some of us have had cancer. Some of us have had ailments. Some of us had skin problems. Some of us had this and that. Some of us had headaches every day and don't understand why you have headaches every day. You go to the doctor all the time. The doctor can't tell you anything. You have to understand there's a lot of people who are really scuffling. And they don't have clear answers as to why. Some of you may know who A.J. Colby is. A.J. Colby is a weather person on Channel 8, Fox 8 News. He shared after having a long layoff, the original layoff was that he had to have hand surgery for his carpal tunnel. But what he had shared when he came back on the air, and even, even during that time of sharing, and he was out like for months, he was out until recently. He shared that he has crippling anxiety. He's had it since he was in high school. 
And he's lived with it this entire time as an adult. And he said, even talking about it on the air, he was starting to get very anxious. So now why does a person have to go through crippling anxiety? In other words, he had time to think about it while he was off, you know, recovering from the surgery. And that was what delayed him getting back on the air. And even now, he's only on part-time. I don't think he's even on full-time right now. I think he's only on during the day. He's doing updates during the day, whatever it is. Crippling anxiety to the point where he just couldn't get out. Why does a person have to go through something like that? You're probably probably asking the question, is it all worth it? Because he actually does know the Lord. He's a believer. Is it all worth it? Well, thankfully, the Lord actually gives us information that helps us. The only place in Scripture, by the way. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. In verse 17, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Verse 16 is important. Because we need to know and understand with certainty what happens to us after we die. Now, we also have scripture that says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We got that? This is something even additional. It's actually a reuniting of your body in a new form at the time when Jesus returns. Because what did Jesus even have to say? I don't touch me because I have not yet ascended, haven't been glorified, all that stuff. That's the ultimate glorification. Your body being reunited with your soul in its perfect form. Wow. It's something to look forward to. We as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ need to have markers given to us in Scripture that tell us what we have to look forward to. Otherwise, why do we have faith at all? It's a valid question. Why do you have faith at all? Even Revelation, I think it's chapter 20 or 21, that gives a picture of the New Jerusalem. This bright, shining city. This place to go to. Remember, Jesus said in Scripture, I have a place prepared for you. Somewhere there you have a place. It's 21, thank you. You have a place prepared for you. A place unlike anything you could ever imagine. A place that even the words on in Revelation 21, based upon our understanding, don't even do it justice. When we talk about streets of gold, gold in its perfect state is clear. Perfect. The gold that we refine today is not perfect. It's 99% whatever it is. Whatever the number is. It's not perfect. But... Those streets of gold are clear and perfect. Can you imagine that? 
Not only does God give you emotion, he gives you imagination to be able to process information to the best of your ability. If you are willing to read and be taught and learn what he's telling you. How might 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 7, renew your perspective and give you some real hope? Well, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians. Actually, you might get a few, get to the next page here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I might be the only person in the world who could sleep under air conditioning and still uncover because I'm still hot might be the only person in the world. Second <laughs> Corinthians 5, <laughs> verses 1 through 7. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now understand something. You're in a tent right now. Amen? Everyone here has a tent. The tent is basically this flesh covering your body. It's got to hold everything together. You can't be walking around with your heart outside your body and, you know, kidneys hanging all down by your ankles. That's not going to work very well for you. So you have a tent that you're in. And what did I just get through saying about people who have anxiety, headaches, aches and pains? This tent, praise the Lord, we're not going to keep it the way it is when we leave here. Amen? And why do we have to go through all this stuff anyway? Well, guess what? We're in a fallen world. It has everything to do with that. And there are lessons that come from even seeing other people with crippling anxiety or experiences like that. The lesson for those who are suffering from anxiety, for example, is it helps other people who are suffering from the same ailment to reassure them that they're not by themselves. It may not solve anything, but people sometimes need that reassurance that they're not alone in what they're dealing with. What does Satan want you to feel like? You are the only person who's struggling with whatever you're dealing with. Which is a lie. But you're not the only person. If you don't learn nothing else, you should learn that. That's important to remember. Verse 2, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Amen. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened. Notice that being burdened. Every one of us in our tent has a burden of some sort that we're dealing with. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk with faith by faith, not by sight. Well, let's read on further there. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Oh, there's something there to look forward to, isn't there? And that something to look forward to is, is regardless of whether or not you're a good person or a not-so-good person. There is something coming. We're reminded of this in Scripture, aren't we? Here's a reminder. So how might this passage renew your perspective and give you some real hope? Well, one thing comes to mind, but I'm not going to say it yet. I'll wait for you guys to talk first. Where is the hope in this passage? That he has a place for you. Yeah, but there's something that's going to happen. Even include what, what we just read in First Thessalonians. There's a change that's going to take place. And any change you associate with the Lord Jesus Christ is a good change, isn't it? I mean, it's not going to be a worse body than what you've got right now. Amen? Now you have, that's faith though. <laughs> but look at what he had to experience. It's the same thing. Who else? Yes. It sure does. Amen. That's the burden that we all deal with. It may not be a physical burden, but it sure is a spiritual burden. You can be perfectly healthy, A1, you know, Mr. Fitness, Mrs. Fitness. But you deal with the flesh and fleshly thoughts all the time. That's a burden. That's a real burden. It's a burden because you know, deep down, because of your relationship with the Lord, it separates you from Jesus Christ. That's a burden. Great point. Who else? Did you get so? You, so what you're saying is, based upon that, the hope is is that this change that takes place is going to re- eliminate this whole process of thinking, this fleshly thinking. Yeah, everything. That's right. It's excellent. That's that's what I wanted. That's why I'm letting you guys talk. I don't want to always have to talk everything through. I want you guys to process this information too. Who else? Well, Faith's inside was so good, nobody wants to say anything after that, huh? Yes, go ahead. This is a little segue, but Rosemary Cooley, back in the 50s, wrote a song about the whole world. Okay. And I've got the lyrics. But it refers to our body. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, but it says, ain't going to need this house no longer, ain't going to need this house no more. Mm-hmm. Ain't got time to fix the shingles, ain't got time to fix the floor. Mm-hmm. Ain't got time to oil the hinges, nor to mend the window panes, ain't going to need this house no longer. 
There you go. Okay. To that song. I, that's right. It's temporary. We, we know it's temporary. Everybody in this room, I guess, is old enough to know who Rosemary Clooney is, maybe. <laughs> well, some people, some people do. Some of us do. Doesn't really matter. The song was the point. <laughs> but, yes, I, I, I can say that I know who Rosemary Clooney is, yes. Um, but we, uh, great, great music too. Um, but that's the whole point. We have something to look forward to. That's the takeaway of all of this. We have something to look forward to. That's the whole measure of our faith. That's why we do what we do. This is only just showing you why you do what you do. That's why I asked the question. Is it worth going through this? And the answer is yes. It's worth it. It's worth going through it. You don't always understand it. It doesn't always resonate with you as to why. But you come back and ask that question. You go back and say, yeah, it's worth going through. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Someday there will be a glorious resurrection. Go to Acts 24.15. Remember when I said that God doesn't play favorites? Well, his scripture says that. God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't play favorites. So he has this verse, as well as the previous verses, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to remind us that everyone's going to face the same look at the end. Verse 15, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So the takeaway of this is that there will be a resurrection. Remember what Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. There's going to be a resurrection. But there's also going to be a resurrection of those who do not know the Lord. And there is going to be an accounting. Well, all of us have an accounting. We have to make an account. And the bottom line is that the shield that covers you, the seal that you have in the Holy Spirit, is your covering. It doesn't mean that you won't have to make an account. You will have to make an account. But ultimately, it's because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that you have this covering that assures you of this place that he has prepared for you. There's all kinds of stuff that goes with this relationship with Jesus Christ. We all still have to make an account. We still all have to deal with our lives as we have lived them. And I've used this phrase a few times too. Some of us have been faithful in the Lord for a long time. Some of us are just going to get in with fire insurance. But, but you know, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. A deathbed declaration for the Lord Jesus Christ is your fire insurance. Let's face it. 
That's what it is. But the bottom line is that you're in. There has to be an account. There will be an account. Do you have some if-then statements you need to get rid of? If so, what are they? Now, on my handout, I've got boxes there where you can write down your own if-and-then scenarios. Now, I'm going to challenge you, because we're not going to finish this lesson today. Use those boxes on your handout if you can jot down some things that are if-then scenarios you want to get rid of. And be honest about it. If I sit and think about it for a few minutes, I'll probably come up with something. But these are things you need to think about and say, well, is this what the Lord would have me to do or is this my own thinking? I'll bet you everyone in this room can come up with at least one. I'll bet you. Because what have we been saying over and over again? We live in the flesh. We want to see things happen sometimes our way. We want to see scenarios take place where we want to see outcomes that fit our way of thinking. Especially if we don't understand what's going on. So you'll come up with something. That's the second bell, isn't it? Of course it is. But that's a good stopping point. So we'll pick up next time right below there where it says if-then statements are based on our logic because that's exactly what it is. We are the most logical people we can think of sometimes when we're talking about ourselves. Of course, we're logical. Everybody else's advice is hogwash. We already got it together. Amen? (laughs) Well, that's how we think. You know, one of the worst things... One of the things we talk about, and this is, this is something that just brought to mind, one of the things that we talk about in one of our seminars, and I am closing out here, we talk about making a pact with Jesus Christ, P-A-C-T. Well, one of the things, the C represents consultation. Because God puts people in your life sometimes to give you good advice. The worst thing you can do is not take the advice. If God is giving you information through someone else to do something to help you to live a life for Christ, Why would you say, I don't want to do that? Now, before you laugh at that, there are people who are giving advice. God puts people in their lives all the time. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. He puts people in your life to give you good advice, to help you through and help you along, and people don't take it. This happens a lot more than you think. Of course it's pride. Absolutely it's pride. Pride is the exact opposite of being obedient. It's pridefulness. Yes. Oh, okay, that's a good one. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's exactly right. Has nothing to do with her conduct. You're still supposed to love your wife regardless, just as Christ loves the church. That's right. Now, if more men would do that, 
we'd have fewer divorces. Amen? All right, I'm done. <laughs> Let's close out in prayer before this veers off a cliff somewhere. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to remind us of your promises, of how you teach us, how you're continually teaching us, how we are continually learning. We just thank you again for your presence. We know, Lord, that if we call upon you, you will respond. Not necessarily with answers, but at the very least with your comforting presence. Lord, that means a lot to us as we try to navigate through life, navigate through situations, go through situations we don't understand. We just thank you for your comforting presence. We thank you for the lessons that we learn even after that. Because, Lord, we know that you are not a short-term thinker. You're a long-term thinker. You present things to us long-term so that we can see the benefit of just trusting in you. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We'll pick up from there next time. Thank you. Thank you.